How could a man tell if a woman's had an orgasm? Short of asking her, of course, which can sometimes come across as a bit gauche. The question of how do you know when a woman comes has been running through my mind. And of course, everyone comes differently. There's some women who come screaming like banshees. They curse, they swear, they moan, and you just might have to cover their mouths to prevent the neighbors from hearing. The other women are women like me, who for the most part come without any porn star theatrics. Unless, of course, you have found some magical way to really and truly rock my world. Who are the critical point? Moan, whimper, and exhale. Sometimes accompanied by a little smile. If I'm not smiling, then I definitely did not come. This is an excerpt from a post I wrote way back in 2011 titled, How Can You Tell When a Woman Orgasms? And with close to 130 comments, it remains one of the most read and interactive posts on the blog today. Why do you think that is, Nana? I think it remains popular for several reasons. There's a mystique around women's orgasms. For many women, there's no obvious physical evidence that they have reached the big O. Right. And that leads to the question that we're all familiar with. Uh, did you come? Oh my God. (laughs) I hate, 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 hate that question with a passion. I mean, if you have to ask, then I definitely did not come. And then there's the fascinating politics around women's orgasms, something we will get into later in today's show. Finally, there are many different types of orgasms, as we will also discover. As usual, you were our girl in these digital streets gathering the tea. Before we get into the streets, pardon our manners, we didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Nanada Kwasichiyama. Oh gosh, we got a little too excited. And I'm your girl, Malika Grant. If this is your first time, we guarantee you nothing but pleasure on the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast. You can't blame us for the excitement. This episode is all about orgasms. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. So can you just start with like telling us what an orgasm is? If you were to define what an orgasm is, how would you define it? Um, Gosh, an orgasm is a very subjective thing, right? So I would explain it as sort of like the peak or the climax or that high note in an orchestra, you know, and that experience culminates in this moment where everything just comes together in like perfect synchronicity. That's Dr. Klaleng Mofokeng, popularly known as Dr. T. She is a medical doctor who works in Johannesburg and has a focus on sexual and reproductive health and rights. She is also the UN Special Rapporteur on the Right to Health and author of Dr. T, A Guide to Sexual Health and Pleasure. For women, especially, um, we, we and then for those people with, with the vulva, right, we can have a clitoral orgasm, um, which comes as a result of stimulation 
on the clitoral area and the clitoral tissue and the nerves. We can have a vaginal orgasm uh, that comes from penetration or penetrative stimulation. And of course, we can have a G-spot orgasm, which comes from a specific stimulation of the G-spot area. And we know many people describe all sorts of other sensations. And, and it's really just amazing how our bodies are able to experience all of these different um, orgasms. And I think I often talk about, you know, this pressure that because we have made the orgasm the destination or the, the main point, people sometimes miss out on the fun and the excitement and the buildup and the experience of the entire you know, sexual interaction just so that they can get to an orgasm. So I love orgasms. I think they're amazing. Um, but also I deliberately, you know, validate other forms of, of sex and experiences that don't necessarily end um, in an orgasm. Sex and experiences that don't necessarily end in orgasm. Whew, Dr. T is preaching. I feel like there's a lot of cultural pressure on women to climax during sex, bordering on shaming if women report back that they don't. True. And that's not very helpful, is it? This type of sexual shaming is an issue women have been dealing with for a long time. But let me ask you a question that I put to some of our guests. Is sex for you still satisfactory when you don't orgasm? <laughs> okay, so I talk about this a lot. Because orgasming is a lot, I mean, a lot of work for me. It physically knocks me out. And sometimes I don't want to feel like I'm on the verge of death at the end of sex. Sometimes I just want to feel close to my partner and share a range of intimacies that don't focus on that goal, you know? Like really savor every part of the meal, not just waiting for the satisfaction of the meats at the end. If you grew up on a West African home where the meat was the prize for finishing your meal, you would totally get this analogy. What about you? I'm your literal opposite. I want to come every single time I have sex with another person. I mean, I can come quite happily on my own. And so I feel kind of cheated if I'm having sex with someone else, but then I don't reach the pinnacle of pleasure, which is for me what an orgasm is. Hmm. Coming during sex is also a personal act of resistance, in my opinion. Sex, especially between cis men and women, is awfully focused on the man's pleasure. And so I feel cheated if I don't get mine. And I insist on getting mine <laughs> all of the goddamn time. Get yours, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, it, it always feels like you're coming to the brink of something really explosive. That's Kaz. She's the host of a podcast called The Spread. Kaz is one of the banshees that Nana describes. The buildup usually maybe takes a while, like before I get to the beginning of my orgasm. And then I'll say like the orgasm lasts maybe three minutes. And so the buildup well, it depends. Different times, different people, different sources of pleasure. Uh, but yeah, it just feels like like something's bubbling under and then there's an explosion of pleasure. It's a, it's a Hiroshima of pleasure. That's what an orgasm is for me. Hiroshima of pleasure. That would be the death of me. But Kaz is committed. So first, I will never fake it. If anybody's with me, I'm not faking it. Um, secondly, 
I always let my partners know that I'm coming. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, I do. I announce it. I announce my arrival. <laughs> and um, everything kind of like tightens. My whole body just kind of contracts. Ah! And if it's penetrative, if I have a, a, a partner with a penis, then my vagina clenches around that. So usually it's also exciting for my penis owning partners. <laughs> We aren't even halfway into the episode and I'm already feeling sweaty from all the explosive stories. <laughs> so let's talk about the different types of orgasms. Can you name them? Uh, no, but I know that the answer isn't one because you tagged me on an IG post a few months back, which listed all of them. I know there's 11, which is shocking. Yep. And they are clitoral. Uh-huh. Blended. Together. G-spot. After F. Anal. From the back. Deep vaginal erogenous zone. Freak me, baby. Squirting. <laughs> Cervical. But not like cancer. Nipple. They are brown. Exercise slash corgasm. Hey, what is that one? Sleep orgasm. While you're at, at, uh, in bed. And guess what? Hmm? Even multiple orgasms. Like a times table. <laughs> oh, Charlie, this is encouraging and discouraging. My darling bestie, why? <laughs> because on the one hand, I feel like I'm such a square. I can confidently say I've only experienced clitoral and sleep orgasms. But on the other hand, it's encouraging to know that there are so many different paths to reach the desired destination. And each one has its own sensation. <laughs> So I'm laughing because I'm like, okay, it's a podcast about sex fronted by two squares because I kind of feel like similarly, I have the most basic of orgasms. 99.9% .9 of the time as a result of clitoral stimulation. <laughs> oh, two sexual aunties. I know, right? <laughs> Literally, only on two occasions in my life have I experienced what I thought was a vaginal orgasm. Hmm. And it felt so good. It felt like, my whole body was being taken over, you know? And I've tried and tried, but I haven't ever been able to repeat the experience. Oh, Kafra, why? I know, right? I am super jealous of the women who have nipple orgasms. I'm just like, what? Like, somebody touches your nipples or you touch your own nipples and then you just, like, erupt in pleasure? <laughs> like, what is that? I want to be one of those women. <laughs> Me too. It's that I'm that woman who hates her nipples being touched. Anyway, at the same time, I try to remind myself that what I think is the most important thing is just to experience pleasure from sex and not to be like overly fixated on the type of orgasm you're experiencing right or not experiencing so one of the questions we tend to get asked a lot on the blog and this question usually comes from guys people want to know how can they tell when their partner has had an orgasm so with that question in mind, I jumped onto Zoom to ask Selma, who is a sex YouTuber. I guess if you can say sex blogger, you can say a sex YouTuber. She's also an incredibly talented graphic designer and a feminist activist. I asked her this particular question. Can you describe how you personally feel when you have an orgasm? We apologize for the quality of the audio. Sure. So mostly when I'm having sex, there tends to be a buildup of sorts. It just feels like my body starts to tense up. 
but then it's a tension that never had that had never like led anywhere um it was always this tension and release but it wasn't ever like a big thing it wasn't what i would call an orgasm until it got to a point where i realized that my orgasms came with an overwhelming sense to pee <laughs> I badly wanted to pee. And once I realized that I didn't want to let myself have that feeling because I was afraid of wetting the bed or something. Mm-hmm. So I would keep myself from it happening, like thereby interrupting it. But these days, when I feel like peeing, I just hone in on that feeling and just try to ride it out. So if there was a particular thing that my partner was doing that like, started a buildup of that sensation, I tried to indicate to them to keep going. And then I tell myself, relax, <laughs> relax, just concentrate on that feeling. And then finally, I just feel like peeing. Recently, it happened again, and I was so sure I wet the bed because the sensation lasted for a very long time. But then I came to and I realized that I just got unusually wet. With um, other partners that I've been with, I realized that they got more frantic at a point. And when it was truly close, then they want you to stop <laughs> <laughs> and that gets very tricky <laughs> because I, I have realized with me that this is where it really gets good. But then I also realized that it's not really a boundary that most women are comfortable with breaching just mm. yet. So with women, I try to have prior conversations like if I'm eating your pussy and it's you feel like peeing, don't worry, it's my mouth. Like just <laughs> <laughs> just chill out. Let, let me do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing because I feel like I can relate to so many aspects of what you're saying, you know, because I, I would just be like, I'll be that person yeah. who and say, sorry, I need to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. And that's another thing. I also realized the first time I really let myself like have that sensation without moving around, it was with somebody that's like, I had stopped several times previously. And then they just went like, relax and let me do this. It is fine. I feel like them doing that and them telling me, even if I peed, Mm. it was fine, Mm -hmm. kind of helped me to just let it happen. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is I would pee. Yes, true, (laughs) true. And then I said, you had been given permission to pee. Yeah, so why not just pee and see where this leads me? Oh my goodness. I am so happy you had this conversation with Selma. I feel like we never really talk enough about the peeing sensation and how it interrupts the process of climaxing. The thing can really mess with the moment. I know, right? But it also feels like a good reminder for partners to make their lovers feel safe and comfortable during intimacy and sex. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is, How do our sexual interactions with different partners lead us to understand the diverse ways we can orgasm? And how can we start to embrace those experiences? Kaz, our Kenyan sex guru and podcaster who comes loudly, shares an experience with us. Like the more that I had more interactions with different people, I found that there was really different ways in which I could find my orgasm. So many different places. So, for example, I find that my pleasure is really enhanced more when there's kink involved. I'm specifically turned on by um, impact play. So any form of pain, I'm a masochist, any form of pain is a real turn on for me. But it's a combination of pain and pleasure. 
So for example, like um, I never used to like my breasts touched. It just, it didn't feel anything. It almost felt numb. So it was always for the pleasure of my partner. And then I had a, a like a kink episode with some beautiful people and um, somebody came and, and flogged my nipples, which was, oh, it was amazing. I had never experienced that before because it was a combination of like hard whipping and then like gentle stroking. And that on its own, like I discovered an orgasm of its own, like where it's external. It has nothing to do with my vaginal area. And Kaz has another tip to help you orgasm. It's something I've never heard of or experienced. Edging. So um, it's bringing your partner or bringing yourself to the brink of an orgasm and then cutting it until you go back down to zero. So remember how I was describing my orgasm as a buildup to an explosion? So before the explosion, you stop any contact and then you play and you play and you play almost at the brink, and then you bring it down to zero. It can be a mind fuck for people who are not into that kind of thing because you can get really angry and frustrated. But if you lean into it, and especially with people who have premature ejaculation, this is the best way to be able to play with a partner and help them stay longer. But your partner and you have to be really honest. Like, don't come. And there's a lot of communication that's required in edging, you know? And there's numbers. I've seen um, visuals where people use numbers to play. So it's just like I'm at seven. And when when you get to nine, you stop because 10 is the orgasm. So it's just like six, seven. And sometimes that's the only thing you're allowed to say to your partner. It's, it's quite fun. It's like quite, quite a fun tool. I think we need an episode on kink and pleasure, but I'm really interested in the elusive multiple orgasm, which everyone aspires to reach. Ghanaian feminist writer McCaffrey shares this experience. Last year, a friend and I did this thing with cards where I would throw a card down for every orgasm I had and ended up with 42 cards. No fucking way. How long did that take? Oh, it was a few hours. I think it was about three or four hours. Have you ever faked an orgasm? No. I've I've never needed to. And I I always felt like it was a trap to fake an orgasm because then I'm doing it either I'm doing it for the person's ego or because I think it will be awkward. Yeah, I very much agree with you. I do think it's a trap. Um, and like, like you sound to me, and obviously I'm not like a professional or an expert, like a highly orgasmic person. Uh, how do your partners react? I get different reactions. So um, just to clarify, like my partner so far has been either men or non-binary people. But I think it's just easier to use the word partner because I'm not in a relationship with them. Um, I think they mostly find it fascinating, but sometimes it can become like a game to them where it's like, okay, let me see how many orgasms I can give you in this round. So I had to, I had to have a conversation about that and say how it made me feel just so that Yes, you find it fascinating, but like don't use it as some kind of game because it doesn't feel good. It feels like it's not really about me anymore. It's just about you want to see how many orgasms you can get. I think even though orgasms are an aspect of sex and intimacy, it is a whole spectrum of experiences, sensations, and feelings. 
And even accessing those different points of climax are contingent on so many different factors. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. T takes us to school on this one. I think what my approach is, right, um, is underscoring the communication that's required to have a fulfilling sexual experience. Whatever the end result is of that experience, you have to communicate, you have to seek and give consent to be a part of that sexual experience. Because without consent, there can never be pleasure. So if people are just focused on an orgasm and not doing everything they should be doing before to set the scene, to enable orgasms to happen, take away the anxiety of your partner, communicate your needs, what you want, what feels good and where it feels good and how you want to be touched and all of those things. Create that environment where that can happen. Because with enough sexual stimulation, without thinking about it, an orgasm will happen. But it's everything else that accompanies it. To get to an orgasm, you want to be relaxed. You want to feel desired. You want to have a partner who's kind, who's listening, who's checking in on you. The communication, all of those set up for an amazing experience. And, and it's important because women, many of us, even that orgasm still doesn't belong to us. It's always for the benefit of the man. I want him to feel good. How to keep my husband? I don't want them to cheat or I want them to stop cheating and come back. How do I do all of that? And it, there's, there's this script in heterosexual relationships, especially where women uh, uh, are taught, right, to not talk about what feels good, to not um, experience um, sex fully and, and not moan and not make all of the wonderful noises that, that could be made because of respectability. So there's a lot that we need to unlearn before we can even really genuinely say that we are now engaging in the orgasm gap. Dr. T wrote A Guide to Sexual Health and Pleasure a few years ago. And I wanted to know how can we encourage women to also focus on their own self-pleasure? Does she have any tips for us? I mean, there's a lot of power, right, in sex. Um, and the pleasure of women is very political. And we can't have these discussions about the orgasm gap or about um, having fulfilling sex lives for women, you know, without talking about why, in fact, is it that women are raised and conditioned in such a manner in the first place? And so, this is why these discussions, you know, even sex therapy and even me writing the book, had there was a certain level of vulnerability that I needed to bring and there's a space that I needed to go to because there, there's things that you reckon with about how you were raised, about the messaging that you received as a woman, as a young woman, what your body means, what it doesn't mean, whose vagina is this, right? Or your family name and your father's respectability um, is connected to how you behave or not behave. So there's just so much. Before we are even truly sexual beings in the true sense of the word, there is already ownership attached to our bodies. There's already culture and religion and morality assigned to our experiences as young women. So sometimes it takes unlearning your entire life. You know, I've had people in their 40s, in their 50s, who have never experienced 
a fulfilling sex life. And subjectively, they'll tell you that I've never had an orgasm. And when you listen to them talk, they will tell you that I can't stop hearing the voice of my mom in my head telling me that if I, if I look at boys, if I touch boys' hands, it means I'm a slut. Or I can't turn off my pastor's voice in the head telling us that sex is a sin. I can't turn off um, some older person's voice in my head who was telling me on my wedding night that sex is for my husband. And if I don't want my husband to cheat, I must always have sex with them. And then you are dealing with older women who realize that they've actually never consented to sex. Every single sexual experience that they've had has been coerced or rape and they are within marriages. So the journey to, to experiencing fulfilling sexual life can be that deep for some people. And some people may not want to go down that road because of the trauma and what it means. Some people have survived all sorts of violence, right? And not just physical or sexual violence, but even emotional, psychological violence. So there's so much around just our lives and how we negotiate sex. Um, and often your ability to be fully sexual and fully own your body and fully be autonomous lies with a little bit of unlearning and relearning and forming new habits. So much on my bucket list of sex exploits to try out. But as our people say, when you wake up is your morning. So if you're like me, who feels like a square sometimes, it's never too late. But at this point, we all want to know, how does one have great sex? What's the cheat code? Fortunately, we have Tiffany Mugo. She is the author of Quirky Quick Guide to Having Great Sex and runs a platform called Hala Africa, where for eight years, she and her team have been collecting knowledge about sex, giving advice about sex, writing articles and doing podcasts about sex. Whew, okay, I know you get the point. What can we say? We brought in all the big guns for this episode. We sure did. These are her top three tips on how to have fun, pleasurable sex. Number one, communication. Like having communication around sex is so important. Just having that back and forth, having that openness, just really having that conversation, you know, because a lot of people actually don't talk about their sex and they don't talk about their sex even to their partners. So people will like joke and say things, but no one will have actual intentional conversations. So the first one is communication. The next tip would be sexting because you know what? Sexting actually allows you to like conceptualize things in your mind. It allows you to like actually get into the bubble room, be like, what is it that I want? And unpack it, like unpack it, not just be like, oh, touch me there vaguely in the nether regions. It actually makes you be like, this is what I want. This is how I want it. And I have to say it to you. I have to literally just sit there and put it into words, which helps you actually figure it out. Ne? And then the last one is don't take sex too seriously. So many people take it so seriously, trying to have orgasms, we're trying to look good, we're trying to serve angles, we're trying to just serve like curves, we're trying to serve like eight inch D, like don't take sex too seriously. And then just land in it and just breathe in it because then it takes the pressure off. Because now when you're taking it too seriously, too much pressure. I think this is just the perfect way to end today's episode. No pressure. Just, you know, enjoy the experience. Mm, take your time. Enjoy the ride. A big thank you to all of our guests and, of course, to you, our listeners. Until next time, don't stop coming. 
The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is hosted by Malaika Grant and Anander Kose Chiyama. Freddie Boswell is a senior producer. Fatima Derby is our associate producer. Written by Wana Udobang. Audio editors are Messi Barno and Tevin Sudi. Malaika Grant and Anander Kose Chiyama are executive producers. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is a production of AQ Studios in partnership with Masi Media. Mercy Kidaga is our studio administrator and Sally Chum is the AQ Studio CEO. Follow us on all our social media, that's at AQ Studios Podcasts. Our theme music is Damn, performed by Ria Boss. Music from this episode comes from Epidemic Sounds. Find adventures from the bedrooms of African women anywhere you get your podcasts and in the pursuit of all things sex, sexuality and pleasure, follow us on all our social media platforms at Adventures From. Thanks for listening. God damn, she so fly. God damn, she might die. She got